Welcome to the Certified OCS Prep Podcast. I'm Alexis. And I'm Amanda. And we're here to help you prepare for your OCS test. All right, so I'm Alexis, and today we are mostly going to focus on just doing a little introduction of who we are uh, and why we're doing this, and then we're also going to start talking about some different resources that we would recommend um, and ways to just start to prepare yourself. So Amanda, if you want to introduce yourself, we'll start with that. I'm Amanda. I graduated from PT school at Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati in 2014. I've spent the last five years working full-time in outpatient orthopedics. Um, That's currently my full-time position. I have done a little bit of PRN in the SNF setting, um, but my primary focus is uh, orthopedic and sports. Um, I took the OCS exam in March of 2018, passed in June of 2018. Um, I think Alexis and I really wanted to do this podcast because as we were both studying for our OCS exams, we identified a gap in resources Um, A lot of the people taking this test work full-time, have families, personal obligations, and need to be able to study efficiently. A lot of the resources out there are um, text materials. There's not a lot of digital resources to help reinforce information. And we feel this podcast can be a resource to utilize while you're commuting, you're exercising, in between activities, um, just to help improve your efficiency. Yeah, so uh, I'm Alexis. I also graduated with Amanda in 2014 from Mount St. Joseph University. Um, I have also worked full-time in outpatient orthopedics pretty much since I graduated. I've done some PRN work in acute care and inpatient rehab. Um, I'm currently working in, um, for myself, I work in a uh, out-of-network cash-based practice. Uh, I rent some space in a gym. So I've been doing that now for almost a year. I initially started on the side and I've been doing it full time for the past few months. Um, Same, you know, situation as what Amanda said. There's so many great resources out there to study from. It can be pretty overwhelming, but I know for me, I was working full time and also running my business on the side. Um, I just took the OCS this past March of 2019, passed in June of 2019. And, um, I just felt like there were days where I was walking my dogs or I was driving to work and I just wanted something to quick review and those resources weren't there. Um, And so, you know, I even had people in different groups I was in say like, I wish there was a podcast and I felt the same way. I know Amanda felt the same way. So we thought this would be a way that we could hopefully provide some value to some of our fellow clinicians and just help them as they're working on their studying for the OCS. So in terms of studying, um, we wanted to talk about some, like Alexa said, some resources and some tips and tricks that helped us. I think one of the things that we feel strongly would help is before you even start studying, really make sure you understand your own um, learning style. You know, and learning styles can change as your demands change. So there's a link that we'll provide in the notes, but that is a self-survey called the VARC Learning Assessment. It's a 16-item questionnaire. If you just answer it, it will give you your learning style, and then it gives you tips and ways to help implement those learning styles. So it might be helpful. Um, I think another thing that Alexis can bounce off with me on this is um, the use of a study group. It's something we both used while we were studying. Um, As you register for the uh, OCS exam, 
the APTA will provide a list of other clinicians that are also registered within your geographic area. Uh, I would encourage you to take initiative and contact some of those people. Most people are in the same boat and two would benefit from a study group. Mm -hmm. And there's different ways you can implement a study group. Um, I did mine digitally. There are people that can do them in person. I think it depends how close you are and what kind of time commitment people have. Um, and yeah. it, I think the number of participants can be open. I don't know how many you had in yours, Lexis. Mine was about six to eight, depending on the week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had, um, so I, I actually sent out the initial email to people in my group, and I've never been a, like, study in a group type of person. I've always liked to study on my own, but I knew I needed some accountability just with working full time and being so busy. Um, and you had recommended, you know, the study group based off your experience. So we did, um, I sent the email out to pretty much everyone who was in Ohio was basically because it's kind of hard to look at just Cincinnati. So I, I sent it out to everyone in Ohio. And I had quite a few people reach back out and there ended up pretty much consistently being four of us. Um, and we did the same thing. We did the digital meetup, we were kind of all over. And uh, we used Zoom, which, which is I think you did too. Yep. I also use Zoom. It's great. It's free. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And they, they tell you that you have to limit your call to like 30 or 40 minutes, I think, for the free version. But it literally just kicks you just schedule a couple and it'll kick you to the next one. And most of the time it didn't even kick us off. It was like no big deal. Um, right. But it was really helpful because we basically as a group laid out a schedule of, okay, these are the topics we're going to go over this week. And so I knew I had to stay on top of that specific, you know, material. Otherwise I wouldn't know what was going on in the study group. So for me, it was accountability. I don't necessarily know that I like learned a ton during the study group versus like my own individual studying just because of my own learning style, but it was so helpful to have that accountability. I think the other thing that the study group can really be helpful, kind of along the lines of accountability, will help you maintain a realistic timeline. You know, the OCS mm -hmm. can seem overwhelming when you're trying to, you know, you register in July, you don't take it till March. You know, it's really, truly almost a year-long process, and it's hard to wrap your head around trying to study over a year time like that almost. So I think it's helpful yeah. to have the study group to help you maintain a realistic timeline. Um, yeah. I also felt like it was... I agree with Lexus. I don't know that I learned a lot of new material during study group, but it really was nice to like affirm, have the affirmation of other people talking about topics you understood or just hearing it one more time. And there was yeah, a absolutely. times where I thought I understood a couple of things. And then once I heard other people talking about it, I realized I needed a little more clarification on a couple of things. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes just hearing other people's ways of remembering, you know, certain parts you have to just memorize or, you know, certain topics yeah. that are more difficult it's helpful to hear how other people remember them and sort them out um, yeah you know I don't feel like it was wasted time I will say I think it's helpful to keep it to an hour or two I think past mm -hmm. that it just becomes a little bit a little bit long um yeah the other nice thing the zoom digital component of that is you know for my study group we had about eight of us and people could kind of come and go you know if there was a topic mm -hmm. that you sat in on for 20 30 minutes felt like you had a really good hand on you know, no hard feelings. If you just kind of politely leave the, leave the zoom meeting, no one, no one cares. Or if there's a time you're like, I really don't need that. You just don't log on and that's okay. Exactly. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, um, I think the next point we want to make is just talking about 
the study materials themselves can be very overwhelming. And if you've already registered for the exam, you know they don't give you the ABPTS. They won't give you like, hey, you should get this material. There are things that are maybe like encouraged or whatnot from the APTA, but they're not gonna tell you what to study. Um, and so it gets a little overwhelming because you have all these different options. And if you go on like, um, for example, like MedBridge has a Facebook group. If you go on there, you're gonna see 20 different recommendations from 20 different people on what you should use. Um, so my best advice is to choose like two to really focus on. Um, so really focus on two study guides um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what options are out there. And you can supplement with others in areas where you don't feel as confident, but I would not try and go through all the different materials that are out there. You will be so overwhelmed. It's not necessary. Um, and it's just going to make you feel like you're even more um, just anxious about things and have way more to do than what you need. So, you know, this podcast is obviously meant to just supplement. We're going to talk about some different things in all of our episodes that will hopefully be the second time you've heard them. Um, but like we would by no means say like, this is all you need to do or, um, you know, that this is all encompassing. We're just here to supplement, but you know, don't pick four different things that you're going to study. It's just too much. And I agree with Alexis. I think if there's one resource that you see utilized over and over, only recommended is the current concepts mm -hmm. modules through the APTA. Um, I definitely used those. There's, there's a lot of information in them, but they're, they're a great resource. So I would say most everybody that takes this test um, does utilize that. Um, yeah, I agree. Outside of that, you know, that's a, that's a hard and fast text material. So again, going back to your learning style, I think you need to decide like, okay, if that's a strongly encouraged one, maybe I need, if I'm a visual learner, maybe I need some kind of other video type component, which would bring you to like a MedBridge. MedBridge mm -hmm. is an online database that runs their own series of courses that are video based with questions intermittently. Um, to go over, basically they kind of shadow the same topics as the current concepts. You know, I used current concepts in MedBridge primarily I liked the MedBridge for the video component, the diagrams, that kind of a thing. But I read the current concepts first. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how you feel about MedBridge, Alexis. Yeah, I mean, I personally, like you said, I used the current concepts. I sort of started with that. And then um, I used MedBridge quite a bit. I definitely didn't make it through every single module, but I did a lot of them. And I thought, for me, it was a great resource. Um, it sort of reiterated some of the things I learned in current concepts. Um, I also supplemented just a little bit. I had a coworker who had the, I think it's the physical therapy orthopedic secrets book, um, which we'll link in the notes, but I don't, um, I'm, I'm not sure if I got that name exactly right, but I it's did. Correct. Yeah. So I supplemented with that. Um, and it wasn't, it's, it's an interesting sort of book cause it's sort of like questions and answers, um, and so it was really helpful. Like if there was one thing that I was like, oh gosh, I, I just can't seem to get this down. I would go back and look at that um, as a supplement. So I didn't read the whole thing by any means, but I definitely supplemented with that. 
Yeah, and I think one thing kind of on the PT Secrets book, I also utilized that book a little bit. You have to really understand what each resource is for and what the limitations mm -hmm. are of each resource. Alexis is exactly right. That book is tidbits of information. However, mm -hmm. it's helpful tidbits for very specific things. Um, yeah. Another book kind of along the same lines of the PT Secrets is the Chad Cook Evaluation and Orthopedics book, sometimes also referred to as the Cookbook. Um, I use that book more through my residency, and it's another great one about examination tests, and it goes over evidence-based information. So a lot of your sensitivities, your specificities, all of that kind of information, and it's a quick kind of review for that. But again, not an all-encompassing material. You have to understand what it's for and where it's not, where it's missing information. Yeah, yep. And my understanding is that evidence in motion is somewhat similar to MedBridge in terms of like the layout and whatnot. Agreed. Um, so I didn't use evidence in motion, but I know a lot of people have had a lot of success with that. Um, so if you're kind of between the two, between MedBridge and evidence in motion, I, I don't know that you can really go wrong. Um, but I would probably not try and tackle both of them would just be my, my yeah, uh, two cents on both. that. Yeah, do not do both evidence in motion and MedBridge. In my study group, there was a, a gal that did evidence in motion and a couple of us that had done MedBridge. And so we actually shared some resources from both that were a little bit different. They are very similar. Um, mm -hmm. But I think if you can buddy up with somebody in your study group and if they have a different resource or maybe the same information laid out in a different way for a certain topic that you prefer, I think it's a great way to help share resources, help each other study some. Um, the yeah, other... Absolutely. The other really important resource I think we need to make sure we highlight is on the APTA's orthopedic section website, the um, clinical prediction guideline documents. Those mm -hmm. are extremely important. Um, you know, I would make sure you know those by the back of your hand. Um, yeah. But, and those are available to PDF. They're free. Download them. Scroll through them. There's summary pages. They go into detail. Um, they're great you know, evidence-based resource and they're easy to follow, which is nice. There's a yeah. lot of charts, a lot of summary of evidence, which I think sometimes when you're reading heavy text materials, gets difficult to, to sort through some of that heavy research text. So mm -hmm. the clinical prediction guidelines really have nice summaries and levels of evidence descriptors and stuff in those. So um, yeah. I definitely wouldn't shy away from those. No. And then John Snyder's website has the clinical prediction rules um, listed, which I actually made flashcards of and thought that was helpful for me. Um, and so you can kind of go through and, and take a look at those as well. But, you know, that's definitely something we're going to cover in future episodes. Um, it would be a very long and boring podcast to listen to if we like summarized an entire current concepts uh, uh, chapter. So we're going to definitely go over the clinical practice guidelines. They're important to know anyway. Um, it's evidence-based practice, which we should all be doing. And so it should be really helpful, um, you know, to be able to listen to them too. But they are really nice uh, just to read through, take some notes, make sure that you know those really, really well because um, they're important. They're definitely important in your studying for this test. So... Is there um, any other resources that you can think of that you've heard of people using that we haven't talked about, Amanda? I think those are the main ones. And I, you know, mm -hmm. I really like Alexa said, I think what's important is not so much like seeking out a lot of resources, 
it's really knowing a few good ones and mm-hmm. understanding like, okay, I have a good text resource. I have a good video resource. I have a good couple supplements and I'm good and know those. You can't, you, the amount of information that this test in theory could cover is a lot and adding resources to it is only going to muddy the water. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just important to hone in on, you know, those couple materials that you really want to use and focusing on those and making sure you get all the way through that material. Cause you don't want to say, you know, okay, I'm going to start studying lumbar. I'm going to do evidence in motion, medbridge, current concepts, and I'm going to read the ortho secrets. And then all of a sudden you're, you've spent two months on one section and <laughs> you know, you're behind. So and then you're, you yeah, gotta, and then you're trying to cram and you yes. maybe get to half of one resource for cervical spine. You know, you really yeah. have to, the other thing too, is I would just encourage you in your studying to really take a look at the information that the ABPTS publishes. They do a mm-hmm. great job of breaking down what percentage of the test is over what sections. Yes. And there yeah. does, you know, everybody taking this test is busy with a lot of other commitments. It's important to understand what areas you're strong in. You know, if you work in a sports clinic and you don't ever treat spine, I'd make sure you spend a little extra time on lumbar spine versus if you were yeah. in a general orthopedic setting and you really treat a ton of spine, but you don't treat any foot and ankle or runner, then I'd make sure I spend a little more time there. So you kind of have to know where your experience lies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, really, you got to kind of study all the resources that you pick equally. Don't like Alexa said, don't try to cram everything for one body section. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Use your resources wisely. Right. Yes, definitely. And, you know, like I mentioned, there's a Facebook group for MedBridge. I'm sure they probably have the same thing for evidence in motion. Um, So, you know, again, this is uh, people jump on there and they're from different backgrounds and whatever. And, you know, I know as the test was getting closer, it became a little bit of a source of anxiety for me. Like when I would get the notifications, somebody posted in the MedBridge group. So for me, I just turned the notifications off. Um, I didn't want to see what other people were saying. It made me feel even more nervous. So, you know, there's things like that too, just general ways to manage your own study anxiety, if that's something that you deal with and just knowing, um, that you just need to focus on, you know, yourself and your own studying. And now that we have all this social media access and whatnot, sometimes that can also muddy the water. So keep yourself focused, keep your head on straight. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Um, and if you're like me and you just don't even want to see it, just turn those notifications off and then you don't have to worry about it. Agreed. Yeah. So um, anything else you feel like you want to add to this topic? No, I think that pretty much kind of summarizes the information I, I had to contribute. And I would just say Absolutely. look forward to some other episodes here coming about starting with some clinical practice guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, You know, like we said, our our goal is really to help those on the go clinicians, we're all busy. Um, You've taken on this, this uh, goal of passing the OCS, which is awesome. But it is very time consuming, and it can be a little overwhelming. So we're really hopeful that this will be something that people can use to help them just supplement their studying, be able to do a little bit on the go. So you're not feeling like, um, you know, guilty about not studying when you need to walk your dogs or whatever, you just throw this on, listen through some of this. Um, and hopefully it'll help to supplement what you're already learning. And we'll, um, like we mentioned earlier, we'll link everything in the show notes so that you guys can 
find any of these resources you're looking for. And um, if there's anything in particular that you guys have questions about, um, you know, let us know. We'd be more than happy to, to try and help out that way as well. So um, I don't know, Amanda, if we want to maybe invite some emails. Yeah, I, I'm fine with cool. that. Yeah, yeah so think, we'll, yeah, we'll make a Gmail. Um, so we'll set up a Gmail account. We'll link that in the show notes as well. And that way, if you guys have questions, you can direct it straight to that um, Gmail account. And let us know if there's anything that we're not covering that you think would be helpful for us to cover or, um, you know, if there's anything in particular that you have questions about. And we can always uh, chat about those on the podcast as well and answer some questions. I think that's great. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Amanda, thanks for spending some time with me and getting this first episode recorded. And we look forward to doing many more.